Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, whoever is listening, watching, welcome to this Q&A episode where we answer your questions that you have about retiring, about investing, about taxes, about your federal retirement, anything in that ballpark, I'm happy to answer your questions. So if you have any questions, submit them. There's a link in the description below on the podcast and on the YouTube channel that takes you back to my website. You can submit your questions. And actually, I've getting tons of great questions. And so thank you. Thank you for participating. It helps the entire community when you answer, when you ask your questions, because I'm sure if you have a question, I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands of your fellow federal employees also have that question. And you, by you asking it, it can help them definitely get get the answers and the information that they need to get the most out of their retirement, as well as you get the answers that you need to get the most out of your retirement and retire confident, because that's what we're about. That is all that we talk about here on this channel. So we're going to dive right in. We've got three great questions today. Question number one, they say, we all keep hearing about magic retirement dates, whether it be at the end of a pay period, end of a month, or end of a year, but for a person not really interested in cashing out annual leave and they want to retire mid-year. What are the things that they should think about when thinking about these magic retirement dates and some of the things they may or may not get by retiring just when it makes sense for them and not for these quote-unquote magic retirement dates? And this is a great question. So if you're not familiar, what he's talking about here is there's some reasons to retire at the end of a year, for example. As you know, your annual leave only so much of it moves on to the next year. So if you've got a lot saved up, then you want to retire at the end of the year because for every hour of annual leave that you have on the books, when you retire, you get a check for that amount. So people really like to maximize that, right? So that's what happens at the end of the year. When it comes to retiring at the end of a month, for example, um, basically your pension is going to start on the first day of the month after you retire. Right, So if you retire on the last day of the month, your pension is technically going to start the next day, right? Which, which is great. That's what we want. Obviously, it does take time for them to process your application. You probably won't get money the next day, but on paper, you'll get it right away, right? And they'll always back pay you what they owe you. Um, but if you retire on the first of the month, it's not going to pay until the first of the following month, right? So it really makes a lot of sense often to retire as close to the end of the month as possible. Now, really... When it comes down to it, retiring and life in general and money in general, money is a tool to help you get to where you want to go in life, right? That's all it is. Whether it's that's retirement, whether it's financial independence, security, whatever it is, money is just a tool, okay? And if it, do, it doesn't make any sense for your life to retire December 31st or the end of the year or end of a month, whatever it is, then don't. Don't retire then if that doesn't make any sense. Now, if you can align the two where it makes fine sense for your life and you can maximize your benefits by the time that you pick to retire, by the day that you pick to retire, it doesn't really make a difference, awesome. The most important thing is that you know the ramifications of when you retire when it comes to your benefits and what you're trying to do. So if it really doesn't matter much when you retire, then yeah, might as well line things up. But if, it, if you really want to retire at a specific day, in the year, maybe mid-year, beginning of the year, whatever it is, that's great. Make it work for your life. And if the numbers already make sense, you got plenty of money to fill the gaps you need to fill, awesome, it's not a big deal at all. Okay, so those are my thoughts. Question number two. They say, does it make sense, if you can afford it, to double 
your employee TSP contributions to reach the IRS contribution limit for a mid-year retirement. Let's say you want to retire at the end of pay period 13, which is about, about the end of June. It's my understanding that you can contribute up to all your take-home pay in as many weeks as it takes to get to this limit for one calendar year. Okay, so this is a great question. Basically, they're asking, hey, I'm gonna retire, let's say, the end of June, so halfway through the year. Let's say you get 13 pay periods instead of 26, so half the pay periods possible, okay? They're asking, hey, does it make sense to put in twice as much into the TSP as I normally would to max it out? Because as you know, if you're over 50, you could, at least as of 2021, you can put as much as $26,000 into the TSP. If you're under 50, then it's less. It's 19,500, right? But let's say you're over 50 because this gentleman is looking to retire. So let's say he's over 50. If he's looking to retire after only 13 pay periods, so halfway through the year, then what he can do is he can front load his TSP, meaning he puts $2,000 a month or not a month, a pay period into his TSP, and by the time he retires, mid middle of the year, which is June, then he'll have hit the annual limit of 26,000, and that is completely allowed, okay? And that's, that can be a great strategy to really get as much as you possibly can down to the wire when you retire. So yes, if you can afford it, awesome. I think that's a great strategy to do. Now, with that being said, if you are planning to, let's say, retire at the end of the year, or just planning to continue working through the through the year, you don't want to use this strategy, okay? And let me tell you why. You only get matching contributions when you contribute money every pay period into the TSP, okay? Or let me say that another way. If, let's say, you max out your TSP halfway through the year so that you can't put any money into the TSP the rest of the year, you're not gonna get matching contributions for those pay periods when you did not put money into the TSP. So if you're still working or planning to work at least a full year, you always want to do it as even as possible so that throughout all the pay periods, you're putting at least 5% of your salary into the TSP to not give away any of your agency matching contributions that you can get, okay? The only time you wanna front load your TSP is if you're retiring, leaving service, partway through the year, in that case, it can make a lot of sense, okay? So those are my thoughts. Question number three, last question. They say, hey, I'm a federal employee who just turned 59 and I have 34 years of service. Congrats on a great career. I plan to retire at the end of this year and pull from the three different pots of funds that I have. My first pension, my social security supplement, or the first supplement, and my TSP. My husband, age 62, recently retired, but passed away just two months after receiving his social security benefits. I understand that I can start collecting his social security at age 60, but my question is since I will not be 60 by the time I plan to retire, can I receive my federal employee social security supplement or the first supplement and then start collecting my husband's social security benefits when I turn 60? Okay, so this is kind of a unique situation, but I think it's valuable. It really kind of touches on some key points that affect lots of federal employees, okay? So this lady, okay, her husband was 62, started Social Security, and then passed away two months later, okay? And when that happens, your spouse, the surviving spouse, is eligible for survivor Social Security benefits as early as, as age 60, 
okay, 60, not 62. So if your spouse passed away, you can start benefits on their record as early as 60, okay? It's different than normal, okay? Now, this lady is eligible to retire with an immediate retirement, so she will get a pension and the first supplement. So she's 59, let's say she retires right at 59. Well, at 59, she'll get her pension. She'll also get her first supplement, okay? At 60, she has the option of turning on Social Security benefits based on her husband's working history because he passed away. And she can do it as early as 60. And her first supplement is gonna continue until age 62. Just because she starts her Social Security benefits based on her husband's record does not stop her own first supplement, which is a great, great thing. Okay, so when she turns 60, she can have her pension, she can have her first supplement, as well as benefits, her social security benefits based on her husband's working history. Now, there's one other nuance here that you have to know, okay? And one big deal is that you can't do this most often, but if your spouse has passed away and you are receiving survivor benefits, what you can actually do is you can delay your own benefits to as long as you want into up to age 70, right? So for example, let, let's, let's do an example here. Let's say this gal, this lady, she starts receiving benefits based on her husband's record for social security at age 60, okay? So she's just taking that. She can delay her own benefits up till age 70, at which point she can switch over to her own benefits, assuming her own benefits are higher than her husband's benefit that she was receiving was, which honestly, she was working, she worked for 34 years, right? That, that was her career. Her benefits probably are gonna be higher, especially if she, she delays till 70. So this is one nuance, that you can only do this if your spouse has already passed away and you're taking survivor benefits, right? If you're just talking about spousal benefits when your spouse is still alive, you cannot delay your own benefit and take spousal. This only works if your spouse has passed away and you were taking survivor benefits. So I hope that makes sense. I hope these questions are helpful for the audience. But again, I know one of the most frustrating pieces of working for the government is where do you go to really get good answers, the right answers to your questions, right? Because sometimes your HR isn't as helpful as you'd like it to be, right? Or maybe the seminars that your agency puts on, maybe they're not as helpful, or maybe you don't have any, right, as, as you'd like them to be. So that is why I'd love to, the, to do these Q and A's to give you the answers that you need to retire confident and to, to really know what you're gonna get, how things work so that you can be prepared for the future. So again, if you have any questions, submit them in the, in the link below and I'll see you guys next time.